2: Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Before we get going
0: with today's podcast, I just wanted to share a couple things with you. Number one, please check out the Football for All podcast. It's designed for your youth audience, but if you are the head football coach who really runs everything in your community. I think it'll be very helpful to you. It explains what we're doing with the football development model, as well as get some good perspective from different types of stakeholders, whether those be current or former NFL players, current high school, college, or NFL coaches, as well as parents and commissioners. It's really designed for that parent, commissioner, and coach group from your youth audience And I think it'd be helpful if you would push coaches that way. Also, as you get going here and the country opens up, I know getting your players in shape and getting them ready with some of the skills they need, like tackling, blocking, and defeating blocks are going to be important, but you're probably going to be limited as far as contact goes right now. Check out our contact system, which is designed for all those types of things. You won't see a single drill really with any helmet on, and there's very few drills where shoulder pads are required. You could get those going now to really work on some of those skills and fundamentals and check out our advanced tackling system designed around the five fights. I think you'll really find that that's an excellent coaching system as well. Check those out at footballdevelopment.com. Here we go with today's podcast. Enjoy.
2: Hello, coaches, and welcome to the Home Team Podcast, where football coaches from around the country provide the coaching community with improvements to their game plans for winning as a husband and a father. Today, we're going to be speaking with Coach Kenny Simpson. Coach Simpson is currently the head football coach at Southside High School, a 4A school in Arkansas. Taking over a program that had won eight games in five seasons and had been on a 20-plus game losing streak, Simpson has led Southside to the playoffs for four consecutive seasons and won two conference titles in the past three seasons. For his efforts, he was named the Conference Coach of the Year in 2017, named as the finalist for the Coach of the Year in 2017, and has been named the All-Star nominee in both 2016 and 2019. He was selected to coach in the first FCA Texas-Arkansas All-Star Showdown in 2020. Coach Simpson wrote his first book in 2019. Another book is already in the works and will be available in 2020. Find a Why, What I Wish I would Known When I Became a Head Coach, has already been a best on Amazon in several categories. Simpson has also helped raise over $1.5 million for Southside, has overseen several major facility projects, including new field turf, expansion of the field house, expansion of the school's home bleachers, in addition to the new press box. Prior to coming to Southside, Simpson took over as a head coach at Alabama Christian Academy in Montgomery, Alabama. During his tenure there, Simpson took his team to have been 4-18 and led them to the first playoff game in over 20 years. For his efforts, he was named the Montgomery Advisors All-Metro Coach of the Year, as well as being voted the 4A Region 2 Coach of the Year in 2010. Simpson also served as a head track coach at ACA and led the girls' and boys' teams to a top-10 finish in 4A. Simpson began his coaching career at Madison Academy in Huntsville, Alabama. He served as a junior high football coach before working with the varsity program. He graduated from Harding University in 2003, and he married Jamie, and his three children are Avery, Braden, and Bennett. Coach on the podcast today talks about some of his charges that he's had, including a a cruise for coaches uh, as a cruise clinic, as a way to spend time to blend football and family, He's got some great insights on how he does things in his program and allows his coaches some some different freedoms, as well as prioritizing his family and getting his family involved in the program. I'm excited for you guys to hear from Coach Simpson.
1: Coach Simpson, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you having me on. Let's jump right in and start talking about the stars of your home team, beginning with your wife. How did you meet this special woman?
3: Well, uh, you know, I've been blessed in a lot of ways, and and I've made a lot of good decisions, but some I didn't realize how good they were. And. She was. She definitely one of those. We we met in college. Uh, both of us attended Harding University, and freshman year in speech class, I noticed a lady I thought was probably out of my league, and it took me maybe a month or so to get up the guts to finally make a move on her. And ironically, it was actually at a at a Harding University football game in the stands. She was actually on another date, but I just I guess the mood struck, and I and I made a move, and uh, we've been together now for. 18 years married and been you know dating and married been together for over 20 and she's really kind of the driving force behind uh, keeping me on a, on a good path you know I, I I was not on a great path through high school and and uh, I knew I needed to be around someone that would keep me accountable and and I've been blessed to to be with her she's uh, stayed at home with our kids for a while while I was coaching and and now that our, they're growing up a little bit she's actually at the same school I'm at so. We're able to eat lunch together, and uh, she's a graphic design lady for all the stuff we do with football and kind of team mom and all of that, so definitely the star of the team.
1: What's a character trait that makes her so valuable or so special to you?
3: Well, one thing that she's done is she's shown me what what true sacrifice is and and being willing. You know, she stayed home with with our children, and I'm sure she would have liked to have Probably could have made more money than I did if she wanted to go out and and to and, and to do her own thing. But I was able to dedicate uh, to our kids and to me the support that I've I've needed. And there's been a lot of times when things have gone really well and I've had a lot of support. And then there's been a lot of times where probably her and and my my mom I might have been the only two that were were behind me. You know, so sacrifice from her. And then she's probably one of the most genuine people you'll meet. And that's something I've really. Uh, taken from her and tried to adapt into my own personality is just somebody who is, you know, is genuine.
1: Let's jump in and talk about, let's talk about the other members of your starting lineup and those are your kids. You give me their names, their ages, and maybe what makes each of them so unique or special to you.
3: Well, I was blessed uh, to be a girl dad first and we had my daughter Avery uh, back when I was 25 and so she is now 14 and already taller than her mother, and probably one of the smartest young ladies I've been around, a perfectionist. She's a lot like her dad, and she wants things done a a certain way, and and, uh, so we relate really, really well together, and it's been fun watching her grow up, super athletic and very intelligent. She's like her mom in the graphic world, and so she actually does a lot with her East East team and uh, is able to be very well-rounded, which makes me you know, you're proud of a dad. I love watching her sports because obviously that's kind of my world, but I really also enjoy watching her, you know, be in the school play or be in the choir or be a graphic design person. It's it's really neat to watch how she's done that. Uh, then I was blessed with my first son, uh, Brayden, and he is 100% his mother's child. He's, he got all her athletic ability, which is great. You know, my wife, Ran track for a little bit at Harding University, super athletic. I had to work for everything I got, and uh, she just was natural. Her, our son uh, is that way. He's an extremely gifted athlete, which has been fun to be around. But more important than that, he's probably one of the nicest young men I've been. There's times I actually would like him to be meaner when I'm, when I'm around him on the sports uh, world. But he's probably you know that kid that's going to knock somebody down and help him up and just, just a kid who's got his mom's charisma. You know, people want to be around him and it's been a blessing definitely to be his dad. And there's been times I've been way too hard on him and, but he's always just responded in such a good way. And then I've got our, our, our last one. We have another little son, Bennett, who is a good mixture of his brother and his sister, probably one of the smartest kids, you know, in the school for his grade. And, just always at a at almost another level as far as he can talk to adults. He's more comfortable almost in that world than he is with kids. And we don't know how he's going to be as far as you know where he's going to go. But I think he's going to be special in whatever direction he goes. And uh, it's been definitely been a blessing. They're all different. They're all very very different. And uh, they sometimes fight with each other and sometimes get along really well. And and sometimes. Sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's not so easy as a dad, but they've, uh, you know, when I look at where, what I could have had, I've been very blessed.
2: So, coach, your
1: does your oldest son play for you where you're currently at?
3: Somewhat. He's a sixth grader, and so we really, I'm in a unique spot. Uh, so, basically, it's a 4A school. I'm a head varsity coach, and so that's my main concern, but I've got a hand in our junior high program and seventh grade program. and and a little bit of a hand in our youth program as far as organizing coaches. And uh, so I've been able to work with him some and, and and be around enough to know that I've got to figure out a way to handle him better. Cause uh, I think when you're coaching your own kid, there's one of two ways you can go. And I obviously went the way of being way too hard and critical (laughs) on mine, And so something I'm trying to work through and, Actually seeking some mentorship from guys that have coached their son through high school because you know I want him to have a good experience and our relationship to be good and uh, but sometimes you know that competitive fire burns in me and and uh, so that's just something we've I've been working with I'm sure maybe other dads can relate to that.
1: Yeah, I coach my son in you in basketball now and yeah, there's ups and downs, man. I'm I'm with you on it. It's a I don't know. Sometimes you're like, oh, coach's kids should be able to do this. And they don't. And you're like, all right, well, maybe I better figure something else out. So, um,
3: Expectation level at times can be a little bit too high for
1: where he is. You know, he's doing
3: really, really well. And fortunately, he's got a lot of ability. uh, But sometimes I I think I, I expect him to be a coach, not just a kid.
1: Yep no doubt. I I feel myself flipping that boat as well. So next, we're going to move into a section called We Make the Call and discuss how your family has navigated some of the important decisions throughout your career. We all know the commitment it takes to be a coach. talked about you and your wife met in college. How were those negotiations with your wife about what your career choice was going to be? Well,
3: fortunately for me, uh, her father had coached
1: when she was young.
3: Her mother was a teacher. So she kind of knew the world she was walking into and uh, she's she's like me. We both. I thought about going into youth ministry a little bit, and so had a heart for wanting to help kids. And so we knew that was gonna was gonna come. Now, what we didn't know all the way, and and we learned along the way, was trying to negotiate the hours, trying to figure out. You know, I've got to do my job, and I've got to do it well. And and I've I mentioned with my daughter, and I'm the same way. I, at times, want to be a perfectionist. And that doesn't always work in this world. And so there's always more to be done in coaching. And so that's something we've had to work with each other on. And one of the greatest things that Jamie and I have done is is I've been able to get her involved with my team. And that's helped a lot. Because now, you know, she sees the impact I'm having on these kids and she's having the same impact with me. And uh it, it doesn't make the hours less, it doesn't make the time away Easier, but at least it gives it a reason, and that that's helped a lot uh, with both of us. And I think coaches that that do involve their wife. I mean, you're away, but you're not you're not really away all the time because a lot of times we'll bring the kids over to our house and she'll cook for them, or she'll come over to some event we're doing. So when you involve your family, you know, my son is the ball boy, and my daughter does the live stream. And so when you're trying to figure out ways to involve them it makes it is a family deal, not just a daddy coaches and he's gone
1: kind of deal. Yeah, that makes sense. You've obviously, I think you've had a couple of different jobs. When you and your wife uh, discuss a new jobs, what are things you evaluate together before making a decision? And then I don't know if the, your kids are relatively young, but if, if, and when did you involve your children in that decision-making process? Right.
3: Uh, well, we, I've had three moves as a coach, uh, which is actually in our world not too bad. If you've been coaching for yep. sixteen, seventeen years, only moved three times, but we've moved states a few times, so that's a little different. When we moved, my wife and I took the first job. We both were leaving college, and so pretty much whoever was we going to offer, we were probably going to take. And so we ended up in Huntsville, Alabama, a really good job there at Madison Academy, and had an opportunity about three years in to, to move up in the in the coaching world, and um so sat down at that point, we had a daughter who was maybe a couple of months old, not very old at all. And so moved to Montgomery out on faith um, so that I could move up in the coaching world. It was a chance for her to go home, making enough money where she could stay home. So that was a kind of a negotiation there was if we move here, I'll, I'll make enough money. You can stay home with our daughter um, and future kids we may have. And so that happened. and I went to Montgomery and had some opportunities there that I turned down. Uh, to get into uh collegiate coaching or some other different areas, just simply because we didn't feel that was right, you know for I didn't yep. want to take that path yep so so after about uh five years there i was I was their head coach for three years. Our kids were getting to the age, my daughter especially is getting to the age where she was about to start school, and at that point we had a son, um, our first son, and we wanted to go to a place where we would send our own children to that school. Mm-hmm. And I was at a private school in Montgomery, which is fine. It was a good school. Uh, but we didn't feel comfortable sending our kids to a public school. And we really couldn't afford to send them to that same private school. So sure. I decided to jump into the public world and come back to Arkansas. We had Harding Universities in Arkansas. And so kind of came back to the same place. Now We actually attend the same church that we did when we were in college. And so oh, I've had, okay. so it's, it's pretty cool, you know. And so we've been here for, Nine years, eight or nine years, I think coming up on my ninth year here, and um, took over a complete reclamation project where they were not doing very well. So it was a long road. Uh, but she was able to stay home with our kids uh, for the last several years and just started working back about two or three years ago. And then you know how it works when, when you're doing fairly well, and we've been fortunate last couple of years to have some good years, opportunities come. You know, and I've had several that. We've passed over just because we didn't feel they were, they were right for our family. You know, uh, I moved to three different high schools when I was in high school, and uh, that was difficult. And so I don't yeah. want to put my kids through that. So still always, you know, you always listen and, and discuss, but we've never really felt there's been something that was worth pulling us away from where we are. And it doesn't mean that won't happen, but uh, at yeah. this point, you know, we have a good situation.
1: Your kids are at the age where, you know, I'm sure in a town that's, you know, in part of the country that, you know, lives and breathes football. How do you and your wife combat the potentially negative press or social media that fans, that, they, you know, from that they're inevitably going to hear and or see in the community?
3: Well, it's it's happened. You know, I've I've had some success recently, but you know, we had a couple of years there that were kind of rough, getting stuff built back up. And even when things are going well, there's always somebody that's upset about something. And generally the place to air that is social media or in the stands, yep. you know, or somewhere where it's probably inappropriate, but the the number one thing that she has done well with is, and I've tried to copy her uh, lead, is just ignoring it. You know, a lot of times that's tough to do. It's tougher for her mm-hmm. than me because, you know, for her to hear something like that, she naturally she wants to jump to that defense, but... She's doing a good job of trying to stay away from that. And we do a, a good job with my coaches' wives trying to have a uh, a place they can go. We'll come to, at our house after every Friday night game. And it's a chance for the families to be together. They tend to sit separate at the games. My wife is on the field now taking pictures. So that obviously kind of puts her in a little more of a bubble. Yeah. And fortunately, we're in, a, we're in a good place. That doesn't mean people don't get upset, but it does it is a good place to be, and and I think that the one thing that we have done a pretty good job, her and I, is we've built relationships and we've made it very clear that whether we went on Friday night or not, is it's, it's not my number one goal. You know, my number one goal and hers is to take these young men from boys when they come to me and then turn them into young men that are going to be somebody that our community is proud of. And, and fortunately, we've won games with that. That makes it easier. But that's not our goal. And uh, really, I found that I've become more successful as a coach, uh, even in in wins, which wasn't the intent when we shifted our focus from trying to win games to trying to mold young men. And and I think the parents have understood that uh, whether their kid plays or doesn't play for me, that I have a vested interest in them. So that's helped some. But when you get issues, in my opinion, the best way is to simply or ignore them or, or to meet face-to-face at a, at a time when both parties are, are
1: calm. Um, and I think that's a great policy. I think just trying to meet face-to-face to clear the air. And I agree with you on the side of, you know, sometimes in the stands it gets – but to me that's also part of it. It's part of what you take on being a head coach and no one's ever going to like or understand all your play calls or how oh, you yeah. handle certain scenarios. <laughs> And there's times after I call
3: a play, I'm, I think it was a dumb play call too. Right? just
1: That's part of it, you know. That's
3: a, sometimes you just got to kind of go, "Hey, you're probably right. That was stupid," you know. But and the rest of the time, I don't even hear the stands and try to keep our wives away from it because, man, I've, I've I've been at NFL games screaming at the TV, you know. So I understand. How
1: yep. I like yep. Absolutely. Uh, the third series of questions I like to call clock management. How you spend your time blending family and football. At the high school level, you said you've had three moves. So give our listeners maybe one recommendation on the moving process to help make it go smoother, and maybe one thing you would avoid. Well,
3: uh, the one great thing about being a football coach is generally you're going to have a lot of help moving in. You know, you're going to have a team full of kids that are going to help you move in. Now, moving out it depends on how that went down, but usually <laughs> moving in is good. And I don't know their your religious preference. You know, people obviously have got to make a decision on that, but. We have found that the number one thing I try to do for my wife is is find a good home, a good church home, or a good support base. However, you may do that. We do that through church, but there's other ways you can do that. But find a place that your wife, because it's a lonely job. If you've not been a head coach before or a head coach's wife, it's a very lonely, isolated position. I think people don't realize until they're in it. So trying to find some type of support group for them or, you know, we want to make sure that she has her parents, they talk all the time, or, or somebody that can be there for her. Because, you know, usually as a football coach, there's plenty of people that are around. But a lot of times you don't think about, okay, what about the rest of my family? So that's one thing I would say. do. The, the, I don't know about avoiding doing, but uh, I, I would recommend that as you look to take jobs, don't you know, don't just take the job that's going to, you know, people like a lot of times, and I, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling here, but they say this It's going to benefit my family when reality that may may not, you know, so be careful before you just jump into some job that, yeah, that's a better job, but is that better for your kids? Is that better for your mm-hmm. wife? You know, and I've had, I've turned down multiple jobs where I would have made a lot more money and they would have been probably had, had, I don't know if better athletes is the word, but it would have been a a situation where I could have won easier. And so, yeah, that would have been a better situation for me. But is that a better situation for my spouse? Is that a better situation for my kids? And a lot of times as coaches, sometimes we're selfish and we don't think through those things. So I would recommend a lot of these guys that may be listening, the grass is not always greener on the other side, and you're going to have issues wherever you go. So just make sure before you uproot your family and rip them from their friends and their support group that you better have a plan in action.
1: You mentioned earlier you keep your family involved, and there's usually two questions I ask. So how do you, you know, with the long hours, how do you stay engaged with your kids' lives? And it sounds like you have a plan to have them around and and being a meaningful part of the program. Do you want to discuss kind of how you do that or how that's grown and where your kids are involved sure. and your wife is involved?
3: Yeah, obviously, as I get older, it, it does help. But, uh, you know, my I, I've had several times where I'm coaching practice. My son's playing over there, and I've got to leave practice to go there and do some kind of discipline issue. And I think it's great for your your players to watch that. You know, look, I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to spank my own child. I'm going to walk back over to you and get on you for something. And so how are you going to argue with me for disciplining you when you just watch me do that? And I bring that <laughs> out a lot, you know, A part of coaching young men is teaching them how to be a father, and a lot of them have never seen it. And so I want them to watch me struggle with my own son, to watch me hug my own son, to watch me, and then I'm going to treat them as extensions of my son. You know, you guys, that's how I look at you now. You guys are like him, and look how, and then being open and honest, showing them, here's what I'm doing, here's why I'm doing that, here's why I'm doing that with you. You know, because a lot of these coaches, the kids that I coach may not have or most of them really don't have that kind of example. And I want my other coaches to do the same thing. And so I want my kids around. I want my wife around. I want them to see what a good marriage looks like. You know, how Mm -hmm. does it, you know, they watch me go hug my wife, watch me put my arm around her and and flirt with her and, and watch us disagree, you know, be a part of that. And so. We'll have kids. Usually we'll try to do position groups because we have a big team. So we'll do like one day We may do the offensive alignment and then we'll do a pancake dinner and the next time we might do the seniors And then we do a big brother little brother deal and so we'll bring them But my goal is to funnel every kid through my house And then usually my wife serves as the hostess for it or if we have a big big thing We may do it at the field house, but she's there and other coaches families are there, you know and to me these are long hours and there's times when, you know, they they don't they can't be there for whatever other reason. What has gotten mm-hmm. harder for us has been now that my kids have their own thing going on. You know, my daughter's playing volleyball. So I left to practice on a Thursday. It was a walkthrough and it was the only game I'd be able to watch her play that week and so uh I we were lifting. I left the lift to go watch her play and came back and finished practice and you know I think a lot of times Coaches want to use words like grind and, and things about yeah. you know, spending big hours at the office. And man, that's bull. You know, grinding is like dudes that are in the, in the Army overseas that are serving our country. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're coaching a game. And a lot of times yeah. we just we take ourselves a little too serious, I think. And and I think you got to realize what's important to me is my family. Uh, and so anyway, I don't know if that's kind of where you're wanting to go with that. But that's something we've tried to do here.
1: What is your policy? Because you obviously have had to do it yourself by leaving a practice or a commitment to go watch your kids play. What is the policy you have for your assistant coaches in the same regard? Do they, what leverage do they have to go see and support their kids based on the schedule, especially in the fall?
3: I mean, they better. You know, that's if they've got a kid playing, you know, they better go do it. We used to do Saturday meetings, and then my coaches had kids that played on Saturdays. Okay, well, we'll move it on the afternoon. You know, I'm not. Yeah. We're we're all dads. I'm trying to hire good character guys that are going to actually live out what we're preaching to these kids. And so I've had coaches miss to go watch their daughters play a different sport or go see their son, do whatever it is. And so as long as it's communicated up front, you know, a lot of times you get two types of coaches. You get the overachievers. And I kind of feel like that's where I would fall or I want to be at everything. And I feel guilty about leaving. I don't want them to do that. But then you also get coaches that honestly don't want to work real hard and so they'll use any excuse to miss so you have to make sure all right let's find a balance here so there's been times i've said okay i get it everybody's got stuff to go do we're going to meet so we're going to meet at 5 a.m in the morning and we'll be done at 8 and your family's sleeping so you can go do whatever you want to do with them and we're going to get our work done you know so it's just a way to figure out balance with it because You know, you've got to push and you've got to be the best for your team. That's what they hired you to do, but also go be with your kids. And if that means you miss three hours of sleep in the morning so that you can go spend Saturday afternoon with your your family, let's do that.
1: How do you manage your phone time when you're at home? Obviously, we as head coaches have a lot of stuff that we're trying to navigate and people are communicating with us, but how do you you handle, what do you do with your phone when you're you're at home to make sure you can still be present and involved in, in what's going on there?
3: Not very well. Uh, That's the one area I really have. uh, My wife is working with me quite a bit. And by working, I mean, letting me know I need to get better at that because there's times I need. I'm here, but I'm not really here. And so that's an area or like I'll be watching film. And so the way I try to do it, and it's not perfect, is I try to schedule times off in the summer and plan family trips. So at least the time will be quality time. Or plan date nights with my wife or date nights with my daughter or time for me to go take the boys and go do something. So if I find that if I'm at home, I'm, I can be distracted. But if I'm out doing something with them that's been an intentionally planned deal, I tend to be a little better in that. That just works for me. But I would highly recommend budgeting out specific time as a coach to go be with your wife and then be with your family and then be with specific kids you know, your own children, because I find if I don't do that, the time just kind of slides by and they're on their phone or playing a game and I'm here but not really here.
1: Makes sense. I'm the same way. I it's something I definitely need to improve on. So how, is, how do you, as a, as a coach and as staff, prevent chasing ghosts so that you're not game planning too much each week and, and really just wasting time either watching film or meeting to meet?
3: Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing that uh, – it's 21st century, so everyone has internet. Pretty much. So, you know, we have a certain thing I want them to go through. So uh, I've got a coach's manual that we give out. But inside of that, it has down like our breakdowns. Okay. you're breaking X, Y, and Z down. And coach so and so is breaking this next part down. And so you can do that on your own. And then I also won't meet with my full staff. I'll meet with one guy because I think one of the worst things head coaches do is they have a full staff meeting to go through what they need to go through. But like my old line coach doesn't need to know what coverages we're using. He why? What is that doing? So, we, I try to meet. Okay, offensive guys, you can go. You need to get this stuff done, and you don't figure out what you want to meet. I've had my defensive coaches before meet at my defensive coordinator's house and do stuff there. And so, I will meet with the guys I need to meet with one on one, or in a group, and then we'll bring the full staff together. I think that's been the biggest time saver that we have done now is we meet as a staff. From seven thirty to about nine thirty on Sunday night, two hours. That's it. But as a head coach, I meet with my Eve as a coordinator, and then I meet with my team as a line coach, and then I meet with my sp- so I'm up there a lot more. And then these guys yep. are up there. A lot of times they go up there anyway, but they're working on what they need to work on up there to be up there. And so that's something we've done and then I liked your statement of chasing ghosts. I think that's a you can't you you've gotta have a base answer. For everything you have to well, here's what we're gonna do if we don't get what we like we're gonna check base and then have our system built into that and so we also use what I can what I call an 80% rule it's not 80% or more it's not a tendency so throw it out you know and we're gonna to try to be really good if we're gonna put something in on either side of the ball it better be 85 90% of the time now it's now and now we're going. okay we're gonna do that
1: you have pioneered or tried to champion you know you had looked like this a couple weeks ago you did a, like a, a cruise clinic yeah and i'd like you to talk to our listeners about why you went about that and what was the genesis behind it and how it go and you know kind of what do you hope to achieve from it in the, in the, in the upcoming years
3: well probably about three or four years ago maybe we were at a clinic i can't remember what city it was and so we've gone to a couple sessions and i'm just hearing these, these aren't my guys but these other coach from another staff or, or we were talking about what they're going to go do that night and it was like I, I kind of looked at my eyes and went you know you're at a clinic away from your family and you're about to go do a whole lot of things that I'd be ashamed of if I was them away from my family and I said we need to figure I, I, myself I want to figure out something that is a clinic built for families you know it's something that uh, you can bring your families to because I've been around long enough to know that the divorce rate in the coaching world is is pretty high. It's just it's not a it's not a good thing and it's something I felt a passion about is uh commitment to your marriage and to your family and so my mom is actually a, a travel agent. So I reached out to her and said, Hey, I want to start some kind of something where a coach can bring his family and his wife and we can have football meetings during part of it and then have time for them just to enjoy their family and so she suggested looking at cruises because they're all inclusive so your meals are covered you can get meeting rooms and it's a time where you, most people don't have cell service and so you're really going to be with your family because you're out there on a cruise there's nowhere to go you know you're on a boat and so we started this clinic two years ago I called the FCA area rep and said, hey, can you send me somebody to kind of help me with the wives because I have no idea how that's going to look. And so right now, it's kind of grown from that. So coaches outreach is going to be involved next year. And so we have uh, a normal cruise Basically, you leave and you have two days where you're going to be at sea, which means you're on a boat all day. So in the morning, from about 730 to noon, we do like what a normal coach's clinic would look like. We'll do different sessions that you would get when you go to any coach's clinic. And then the wives will have a, a program running alongside of that where they'll meet and, and do different things. And during that time, and then you have the rest of the day to enjoy your family on a cruise ship. And usually we'll eat dinner. Your dinners are on cruise ships are like uh, formal dining. And so we're, we sit together and have a chance to fellowship and be around coaches but it's not forced you know they don't have to come then usually you have some kind of port of call and we'll give them that day off so basically you're you're getting 10 hours of coaching pd you know your wife is getting all these contacts with other ladies and getting some kind of good fellowship there and then uh, you know it's it's actually the same cost for a coach it actually is cheaper than going to some random hole-in-the-wall clinic so that's kind of where it came from and we're trying to grow it. I've started a Facebook group, just Christian Coaches Facebook group, where I'm trying to basically grow the concept from not just a one-time event, but what are some other things we can do you know, to kind of encourage these families, and encourage each other through different events. and Because and obviously, not everybody can leave out a Galveston on a cruise, but what are some other things we can do? And so that's kind of the goal of, and I don't really know where it's going to go, but I just feel like the coaching marriage world is is under attack. And uh, and we should be the beacon showing kids how to treat our wife, how to treat our kids. And a lot of times, sometimes most – a lot of times the coaches are are actually a terrible example of that.
1: That's fair. Coach, where can people find this Facebook group if they have more interest in in what you're trying to put together?
3: I think – you can just look me up. uh, Kenny Simpson – or I've got it on my Twitter account, uh, which is fbcoachsimpson. Or I've got a website actually, fbcoachsimpson.com. And inside of there, it's got different links they can kind of go to, and it should take them right to it. If not, you know, they can just reach out to me by email. That's fbcoachsimpson@gmail.com. And I'm and I'm open to ideas. There's some guys that want to me that can maybe help me out in this kind of endeavor.
1: Sure. The final set of questions we call prevent defense and hopefully provide some big picture things that can prevent a coach from losing what's most important. Can, can you share one of the struggles you've had as a family during your career and what lessons other coaches can learn from how you've gotten through that situation?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, could probably, I could probably talk for an hour and a half on
1: dumb things I've done.
3: I would say there's two real ones. One is time management. You know, it's taken me a while to realize that um, – there's always things to do in coaching football. Like there's always more. You mentioned it earlier about chasing ghosts. There's always a scenario. There's always this. There's always that. And we want to be prepared. I want to be good at my job. But at some point, you have to understand that you just have to make those decisions in game and spend time with your family instead. And that's been a big one for me is figuring how to handle my time. The other one is uh, misplaced Anger, I guess you know I'm frustrated with something at work, and so come home and my family hadn't done anything, but they're frustrated. I've not been there, you know, and my little seven year old or whatever age they are is trying to jump in my lap, and I'm trying to watch film or trying to do whatever, and just getting frustrated with them and not having the right perspectives of hey, you know work needs to stay at work, and home needs to stay at home, and there's times that they need to be separate and Obviously, that's way tougher when you're not winning. And, you know, it's a little easier, a little bit easier when you're winning. When you're losing, it can be a a big strain on your family. And I've learned, you know, I've been coach of the year and I've been 0 and 10. I've been both. And if who you are changes in your circumstances, then that's not really who you are. You know, you need to be the same consistent person through both to your family and to your wife and to your really your players, you know, because that's what character is all about.
1: How, you know, your players, you talk about have them over for a meal, you know, you're investing them as, you know, trying to get them better at football and the weight room, but how do you make them feel valued outside of their performance on the field? You know, because there's always a, a number of guys every year that aren't going to play a significant amount of minutes or snaps for you. What do you do to to, to make sure that they know you, you care about them? That's, man, that's a good
3: question. I think that's something that, I've had to grow in a lot. One, we try to do a couple events throughout the summer that are involving them and their family. Like we do a father-son retreat, which is a cool deal. We do a mother-son date night. We do things to kind of hey, let's teach you some things that don't really even matter about football. We're just you know we're just because you're on a football team. Here's an event we're going to do to teach you how to be a better person. You know, and here's how we're going to here's how we're going to correlate this into life. The other thing we do is is I call them in and and we talk about their role. So I'm blessed to have a great weight guy now, which has made this easier. So when they're in their lifting, I'll call three or four in. Sometimes it's a formal conversation. Sometimes it's not as formal conversation. But it's about, you know, where are you now? What is your goal? What is your role going to be on the team? And in that conversation, I'm, I'm very honest with them. You know, we talk about. You know, on the field, you may not play as much as you want. Here's some ways you can improve, and here's a role you can help the team, whether that's being a scout team representative here, being a special teams guy playing JV. Because I feel if you can put a lot of that up front, um, it doesn't alleviate every issue, but it lets the kid know, hey, I value you. Even though you're not playing on Friday. Here's what you can do to help our team. And it kind of goes and at least gives them a sense of, of, of value there.
1: Maybe talk just a little briefly about why you decided to write the book and the response you've gotten, and and you know who may you recommend this you know reading, having the opportunity to pass it along to.
3: Yeah, man. I, I, well, basically what I did is I, I wrote a book as if I was writing. I could like time warp back to when I got my first head coaching job. So I got my job at like 27 years old. They give me a big, it's like a four a job in a big city, and I was. Pretty sharp with football stuff, but I had no idea about all this other stuff off the field. And so I essentially wrote a book to my old self of, hey, look, if you can go back and redo this, here's some advice. And so I walk, basically walk these guys through, how are you are going to get a job? You know, now you've got the job. Now what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with parents? How are you going to build your coaching staff? So really, it doesn't talk much about football. There's a little bit in there about football, but mainly it's talking about how to be a leader, how to get a job you want, how to keep a job you want. And, then, you know, it's got a whole chapter in there about mistakes that I've made. You know, I wish I could go back and not do those. And so I figured, man, that would have helped me a lot. So maybe it'll help these guys that are you know, just now getting into being a head coach know all the stuff you were never told
1: until you get the job. Yeah, Coach. And I'd recommend it to anyone listening here today. It's a great read. I don't care maybe where you're at in the profession. If you hope to be a head coach someday, if you are currently a head coach, I think it's just a good. (laughs) There's a lot of good nuggets in there. Tons of information. So it was extremely valuable. So said it didn't take me long to read, um, which is a great thing. Yeah. Well. Right.
3: uh, Twitter is my favorite social media, and I think I write that way because brief and short and talk to me like I'm a person. Don't talk over my head or give me theory. Give me give me nuts and bolts. And that's what the book was about.
1: Yeah. The last question I like to ask is called Victory Formation. When the outside world looks at a coach, they will often be judged on the wins and losses or accomplishments of their players. But the legacy a coach can have on his players and his family is much more than anything that can really be measured what legacy or impact are you striving to create through coaching that you couldn't in any other profession?
3: Man, that's, that's a, we all get into coaching, I think, early on and, and have this concept of what you're talking about here. And then somewhere along the way, winning starts taking over and being successful and comparing ourselves to other guys that maybe are very successful starts to kind of, or for me it did, pull you off your path. And Mm. the ironic part that has has been in my career is the minute I stopped focusing on winning and just started focusing on what you're talking about here, impacting kids, I started winning. It was just kind of a weird byproduct. You know, we don't set goals at at Southside. Where I'm at Mm. now, we don't set goals about winning. We don't set goals about rushing yards or none of that stuff. We don't set any of those goals. We don't even talk about it. We just talk about how can we get better every day as a person. And how can we use football as a tool to do that? And it's been crazy how now all of a sudden the same kids that were going no wins or two wins are going ten wins and eight wins because there is truth to that. But to get to your question, I had a kid who's graduated from me now that I'm getting older and they come back to me. Now these guys are 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old even. And now they're reaching out to me still as a mentor, and so just like your own children, once you've coached someone, that doesn't go away. You know, you're you're still their coach. You're still the guy they're gonna come to when coach I'm having problems with my wife now, or problems with my right. child now. You know, that to me is the impact of a true coach, uh, is a guy that you're there for a guy when they're with you, but you're there for a guy when he's still. 40 years old down the road, you know, I still will talk to guys that have coached me. So that's the impact. And it's hard to see that when you're in the moment. But as I've gotten older, my perspective has changed. It's become way more clear.
1: Awesome. Coach, what is a way that our listeners can connect with you? I think you mentioned most of them find me on Twitter. You also have a website. We provide some resources. Maybe just go through that one more time. So if guys want to reach out and get in contact with you.
3: Easiest way is uh, probably through my website fbcoachsimpson.com. And if there's a place they can go on there and get you know, a blog and all kinds of stuff. And then go on there and they can shoot me an email, which I try to keep everything the same names It's fbcoachsimpson at gmail.com. Or they can find me on Twitter, same deal. fbcoachsimpson on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well. But you know, it's that's one one of the coolest things about social media is that you can connect to so many coaches that are maybe going through the same thing you are. And, and so that's been something that's been neat for me. I've I've just got into social media world actually about a year ago. And so it's been, it's been a a fun adventure.
1: It is a fun adventure at times. That's for sure.
3: (laughs) Well, fun is a fun is one way to say it. Yeah.
1: Yes. All right. Well, Coach, we really enjoy our time here today. I appreciate you taking the time on this Saturday afternoon in the off season to to chat. And we'll definitely be following up with you in the future and best of luck as this off season progresses. Thank you, Coach.
0: Coaches again I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please Push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out, all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at
2: the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.